Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. Brian and Chris here for Work to Game, bringing you the latest MMORPG discussion, topics, news, and so much more. Uh, this show specifically is filmed on Monday, where we kind of look out uh, a couple topics over the course of the coming week. And today is no different. We're going to be talking about Final Fantasy XIV's Add-on Drama 2.0 uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago. We're going to be talking about hands-on impressions with Brimstone Sands, the PTR, and the chaos that can ensue, uh, especially with what is owed, what is not owed, what is discovered, what is state of mind. Uh, and so hopefully you guys look forward to that topic. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with what kind of crossovers do we still want to see brought into Final Fantasy XIV or back to Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, and obviously, we'll be looking forward so much to hearing y'all slots on these topics as well so let's get this started right chris right now over on twitch you are actually working through heaven's word uh 3.1 can you kind of give like a little bit of a synopsis of your stream schedule for the next week because you're gonna about to be going and celebrating your 10-year anniversary uh to the lovely to the lovely miss claire um yeah um this week we're gonna clear 3.1 to 3.55 in four days that's five patches kind of six patches in four days so each day is gonna be about a patch and a half um, so you end up kind of ending in a weird spot each day, but that's just cause you're trying to divide out roughly evenly, uh, across, across the days. So, uh, today we got into some 3.1 already had some reveals. I honestly didn't think would be part of heaven's word. We had some reveals that I'm like, I, I figured I had to meet that person eventually, um, because I've done Shadowbringers and Endwalker, but I haven't done heaven's word or Stormblood. So, um, so going through this, like, I, I don't quite know what to expect, um, but enjoying it, we are back in Ishgard right now, about to about to kick off this next chapter, and um, that's been a lot of fun. All of that is is being fully voice acted by by me, just me, uh, and then pushed over to uh, gaming lore. Kind of, if anybody wants to watch any of that, if you want to go back and watch Binding Coils or or anything that you missed, any like the Dark Knight quest line, that all goes over there. Uh, and then we're doing this every other week, so the goal is to clear as much story as possible, but I'm trying to clear one new expansion each patch cycle. So it's how much can I get through with roughly two lore weeks a month every four months. Um, so ARR, the answer is you can't get through all of ARR in four months. They're, they just can't, even if it'd been every week. But Heaven's Word seems a little more manageable. Yeah, Heaven's Word is really kind of, you start to really feel that that streamlined and lessons learned approach. Thing goes right into you know Stormblood, Shadowbringers. I think really kind of knocked it out of the park, and then Endwalker's is a little bit strange because it finished the the, the expansion in the story. So where it feels like we're kind of in this interesting kind of limbo where everything's kind of just like oh that big threat that maybe was oppressing us or did we couldn't do anything because X Y and Z. Like you're starting to see kind of new like villains kind of like reprise their like role and who knows where we're gonna go from here. So I think it's gonna be. Um, really, I'm just generally curious to see like how they pick up the torch and carry it into another decade of content itself. I mean, Heaven's Word definitely feels like, first of all, they didn't have to build a foundation, right? They got to build off of ARR. So there, there's an ease to that writing, um, as opposed to being like, we have to every single vocabulary word we want to do, we have to introduce. So there is an ease to that. But also, I think they did a better job of like, um, I just met Kryle for the first time. And the very first cutscene with Grail is fully voice acted and is immediately filled with who are you? Where are you from? How, how do you already have relationships with existing scions? And like, and there's humor to it and there's lightness to it and there's brevity and it doesn't go on forever. And yet it did all of that as opposed to ARR. Sometimes you don't get the, to hear somebody's voice until you've been interacting with them for hours. So then you've already built in your brain what they sound like. And now it's a question of did the voice actor fulfill that? And that's, 
that's a huge ask for a voice actor to fulfill 25 million guesses um, as opposed to put all that on the front end so that we're all operating on the same information. Uh, I just, it was just better. Like it was just better. Um, so like, that's how I felt generally through heaven's word. Like I did dusk vigil last lore week for the first time. It's just better as a dungeon. It's just objectively a better told story And it. They had a lot more knowledge. They had a lot more experience. They had a lot more time to develop that dungeon. Um, so like, I don't mean that as like an insult without context to ARR, but like it is, you know, they were given more time, more resources and more experience and it shows. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, that kind of a little mini heaven's word impressions, uh, it's really exciting to kind of see you step <laughs> through because still it's interesting. I think there's a part of the community that does not truly understand that it's okay to skip the story and actually like enjoy the game the way you want. And then Chris has decided and take it upon himself that go and actually experience the story, having been invited into it in, you know, Shadowbringers from Yoshi P. And so it's kind of like you do know what the cake tastes like at the end, but you don't know how the cake was fully assembled and like how some of these parts come together. So it's really kind of interesting to see kind of, like you said, the, the lights kind of going off and, Oh, okay. They're introducing this now. And this is, Oh, wow. They set they started setting this back up in, you know, 3.1, like, Holy crap. And it pays off in, you know, like five point whatever. And so you're like, Whoa. Yeah. What, what I did say? temple of Karn a couple weeks ago. That's like Sildine Belladeal stuff. That's setting up 6.25. Like, mm -hmm. so some of the stuff is like, unless you guys have perfect memories, there's stuff that they've been hinting at that we haven't gotten yet. So you would have to have all 600 billion hours of lore in your head because I bet they've already told us what's in 7.3. You know, <laughs> like they've been they've been just yep. planting seeds and planting seeds. Finally, we're gonna get Geomancer. <laughs> at some point i guess at some point we hindsight. might see that hindsight yeah absolutely all right so uh we want to talk about uh what's been going on obviously with add-ons uh, this is kind of a historic thing within the community um for me and my experience with final fantasy uh, add-ons and stuff really kind of trend all the way back to final fantasy 11's days and so what we are seeing here is a lot of different you know forces a lot of different opinions all kind of coming together against terms of service that has been established for 20 years sure. and the enforcement like of that service of that, that, you know, that department that, that handles it finally got funded this year. And that ended up kind of causing a, a, a lot of struggle, a lot of frustration within the community, especially those who have been using add-ons this entire time and those who haven't. And then obviously then you have the, the witch hunters, within the community that feel like they have to be the <laughs> the enforcers of of the will of somebody uh, you know or what have you so uh what chris why don't you break down what what specifically kind of kicked the, this next round of the add-on drama off and then we'll kind of break it down for you guys what our thoughts are yeah i mean my history with wow or with wow and stuff obviously means i was exposed to add-ons back when you used to have to like manually go drag them into the folder and stuff before all these like curse clients and everything um but it, I, I've come from that background. This is not a change of stance. It's never been allowed here, um, but this one's a little bit different. So this time around, um, we use way markers in advanced dungeon content and in trials, ex extreme trials and savage raids so that we can call out locations on the, on the arena. Um, typically arenas in final fantasy are these kind of circles or squares. They're these big open rooms. It's not, 
you know, it's not like uh, like wow, wow raids where you have 20 people. So it really expounds into being a whole thing. And, and sometimes our alliance rates kind of feel like that. Um, it's typically just a circle. And so where you call things out, even if the floor is decently has a pattern on it, um, it's not always helpful. But those markers have been something that like, how do we place those? And over the years, they've expanded that capability to where now we can have like saved markers and stuff. So it's not as, I guess it was like macro driven before. Brian and I don't typically spend a lot of time in extreme and savage content. So it's not something that's affected us. But those markers are there to help communicate. Uh, and as those marker tools have continued to develop, there is a basic underlying rule that the marker has to be placed on the arena. And that's just to stop somebody from, I guess, accidentally putting it out there. And I think of it like, like, oh, I'm trying to like, you know, use one of these abilities. Now we have that ability where like, when you drag out something like a charge or whatever, it caps it on valid locations. And it seems like the way markers were kind of bound by that scan. So when you went to place a marker, that didn't work. Um, but we have arenas this time around in five through eight of pandemonium that change shape. So now the question is, well, how do I place markers on somewhere that the arena is not right now, but will be? And their suggestion was, well, of course, like once the once the battle ends, you can place markers anywhere on the, the final arena, which like covers the whole freaking thing. And uh, and then you, and then you can save those and then you'll have them and it'll let them place them in that in in non valid locations when you come in next time. Well, on Savage, that's not really that helpful because like waiting until people get clears is ridiculous. So somebody developed a third party tool that all it did was allow them to place markers in the locations that aren't yet valid. Um, and so and then once that got saved and those got shared out, those are now shareable by anybody. So you don't know where they came from, just like anybody else that does not clear Savage Blind. You go in with a group in Party Finder or whatever, somebody puts markers down on, you're like, oh, these are really helpful. You save them. You have no idea that these are fruit of the poison tree. So that these markers become widespread with anybody progging P7S. And they solve a very legitimate communication problem um, in that like, they just make sure we're all communicating on the same terms as people who've gotten clears, like kind of. And and so it's, it's fine. Um, but it is against terms. So like, is it against the rules? Absolutely. Is it the same as like people that were having add-ons tell them how to do the fight and stuff or, or something like that? No, it is, it is just allowing them to place that. But here's where it got goofy. The devs then said, this is no longer allowed, but since we don't know if you got your markers from being shared or not, we're asking, please don't use them and we will not be banning anybody that's used them and then we're going to go ahead and allow you to place markers in what used to be non-valid areas so we're going to go ahead and like take what that person did and be like you're not allowed to do it and you shouldn't have done it but it was a really good idea <laughs> well that's also kind of then ties into that's just something that's just generally interesting within where i've seen the community just struggle right so originally they were yoshi p came out and said listen like we clearly see that there's a need, you know, for these things. We're going to go ahead and start looking at these and actually incorporating these features into the game, into the game. Right. So How long what did the guy get banned for, by the way, the main guy, they can trace it back. To oh, they traced it all the way back to the guy who did yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah, patient zero. 
I would, if it's his first offense, I would venture to bet that it's like maybe a seven day. I'll let you look that up while I kind of, you know, pontificate here. Cause one of the things is like them allowing to be able to place markers, like, you know, in that regards, like that is in my mind, him fulfilling the promise of like, oh, clearly there's a, a value for this to be had. And so the solution ended up being somebody had to create, you know, software that would basically manage that. Right. And so that kind of ties back to what Yoshi P said in the spring. But the funniest and the weird frustration is that these add-ons have been a part of the game, these games for a long time. And the policy of basically don't ask, don't tell, like as long as you aren't talking about it in game, we're not going to, we're not going to go. We can't actually like the reality is that they're not monitoring what's on your PC. Um, that's caused problems within the PVP space as well, because you have people clearly cheating uh, in, in that regards. And so you have, there's like this weird, line for the longest time where i think final fantasy has gotten so popular that some of these problems are now actually becoming problems or some of these things that weren't problems have have crossed over into that space and so when you start to look at add-ons themselves i think the greatest you know kind of fault is that these features that are now being evaluated to be in the game they should have always been evaluated but then him saying that is a weird catch-22 because in order to get these things that we want in the game, we have to now have sacrificial lambs to break terms of service so that we can get these things in the game that we need. Oh man. Like it's like, what, like how does this not end poorly or how does this not end where you end up saying, all right, we're going to have to create another account so we can do these things on. So that way we can protect our real accounts. But these are the things that we need for the game to succeed. And then the question easily translates into, but where's the line? Yoshi P said no to, to damage meters, but yet damage meters are like absolutely used. They are absolutely used to gatekeep. They, you know, all of that is in place and people use that. Uh, or, and even talking with Benny and several of the other like Raiders is like, at some point, like you get if you know people won't team up because they're worried about getting raid logged because of all these other things but then you have a tool that's so beautiful like xiv analytics and my frustration is like in order to actually really get good at this game so we can finally put the devs in their place for you know having too much hp on a boss <laughs> um you have to break terms of service to get to the tool that really actually i think is the most beautiful tool that we have within the community and so it just feels like we are, we're, we're saying one thing, we're doing another, and then randomly we're going to get slapped and you never know who's it really, it's going to be. What do you think? I mean, the people who are already good at this game, the people who have either spent a long time in the first place or have been clearing Savage for multiple tiers don't need XIV analytics. Um, they don't. And so most people who came from another game at rating or they've just put a lot of time in, um, they don't. And so like you don't hurt the existing savage community if a tool like that goes out of date for a patch cycle or something like that they're fine um the balance spreadsheets and stuff like but these are people who like can think about hey at that phase change i'm going to use this ability i'm going to save it for that and then we'll pop this other cooldown and then they execute and so like they're already at a skill level where they're in many times actually can point out flaws with things like xiv analytics because it's not a perfect tool and they are actually achieving at a level higher than xiv analytics but to those of us that are a little more blind to our mistakes and you sit on a target dummy and you do the rotation 
and you're like, okay, I think I got it. And then you go in and you're like, I, I yeah, I'm, I was probably fine. But then unless you record yourself, you don't know the mistakes you don't know. And you don't know that when you get flustered and get told to move left and you thought you were going to move right, that actually you just stop pushing other abilities. You're so busy steering that you just lose globals. Uh, and when you lose globals, you slide off the two-minute timers. And as two-minute timers have become the standard, um, you are penalizing you and possibly others in the party by sliding off your rotation. But you, you can't know all of that. Like unless you're using some tool to document it or you're already at a skill level where you can do it, there's a gap there and that's where these tools help. And so to say third party tools don't help the community, when you look at something like a P8S damage check, how would we know what jobs are behind unless people were doing the math? Because like Red Mage still looks awesome doing all their abilities. They look amazing and they're pressing all their abilities in order and they're, they're doing the right things. Mm -hmm. You know, how would we know without doing the math and without a tool that could tell us what the math is in the real ability, just how far off Black Mage they are? They're wildly off. And yet you could see a black mage take a damage down throughout a fight. And you're like, wow, that guy made a mistake. And I didn't. I probably beat him. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because the gap between you and him is enormous. Uh, and so it's it's an important tool. And it really shows itself most when we see things like P8S or P7, where without these tools, the players who don't need them continue to thrive. But if we're really trying to create a nice gradient of okay, there's players who thrive and then there's players who push through and then there's mm -hmm. players who give it a shot. We end up kind of cutting out that middle group if we say no to literally everything, which feels weird because you don't need everybody to be like, I don't have to run a DPS meter because when I got my EX4 clear, somebody else was running one. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized, hey, I want to get better at EX4, I can go look up my mistakes because somebody logged me. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask me before they uploaded it. It's just up there. But I'm not upset about that because like I ended up pulling it up over on XIV Analytics and going, oh, wow, I'm really glad somebody broke terms. I, I know. Guess. Like, is <laughs> that like, like, I don't know how else to say that. Like, like I didn't tell them to do it. I didn't encourage them to do it. I, you know, but, but it did get done. You're benefiting from it. But I'm benefiting from it. Right. I'm absolutely benefiting from it. And that's where I like Yoshi P stance. And again, I, I actually, I do not want live DPS meters. But what I do want is that XIV analytics tool brought into the game. And, and it's also weird because really when you look at the game and its content with like rare exception, everything before, you know, extreme level difficulty and down, it just feels like it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like it like into the game, it basically says you're good. But then all of a sudden it's like in order to get to this next level, like there's so much more required of you as a player that the rest of the game didn't train you on. And it would be so really cool to see if the game was like, especially like in normal content, I don't care how you're doing. I want to know how I'm doing and what I could do to get better. And to the point where like these tools should be in game at this point, I don't know how anybody can make the argument where it, where they shouldn't because people are being excluded. Well, so guys, the air has to give me some mechanics. It doesn't. It just is like, can you put out enough DPS in this amount of time? There's no mechanical. There's no movement. There's no, you know, like there's no uptime. There's no cooldowns. Like the, the, that tool is so archaic to the point where like when, when I look at this, when I look at Yoshi P's add on stance, when I look at his DPS meter stance where he says DPS meters will never be in, it's like they are and the, the terms of service are being broken 
but nothing is, is happening because of it. But it has created this haves and haves nots where the have nots are running into that. Like maybe they don't want to do extreme. Maybe they're just perfectly fine with doing casual and that's fine. They're, that group is never really going to feel this impact. But what we're looking at is the, the player who wants to get better, who also wants to not break terms of service, who, you know, like, how do you solve that problem? And the only answer is that the game should be teaching you these things. The game, whether that's through difficulty, where, like, I can't clear this content. What happened? Oh, it turns out, like, that's what Elden Ring does, right? Like, Elden Ring teaches you the game because it will beat your face in. And either you're going to quit the game and walk away or you're going to like stick around and play with its benefit is that it's not an ongoing live service game. So whether you, if you quit, like you've already given them the, 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 the maximum amount of money they're going to get from you. So there's no disincentive disincentive for them playing that kind of game. And that's actually part of the appeal of that, that style game. But 14 in this case, when, when Yoshi P starts talking about like looking at these add-ons, like if he wants to really fulfill that promise, he has to look at, whether maybe it's the duty recorder and actually opening it up to all the different duties and then providing an information in that. But it's, it's so strange that that I, when they announced that I was so excited, especially in terms of content creation and machinima, like if you were like, Oh man, we could get some really cool angles for all this. And then it's like, it's this weird tool that's used over here. That's not really used. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody talk about the duty recorder in a positive way. My and voice then- is failing. And that we're not giving ourselves the ability to teach people who learn differently. You and I both thrived in math subjects in school, and you and I both struggled in reading, which means there Mm -hmm. is this argument that comes up all the time. Just read your tooltips. And you and I can read those words aloud. We can read them until we read them without mistakes. We can read them in a guide. It doesn't mean that I grasp them and then can execute on them without making mistakes. And yet, especially because not all mistakes are created equal, What happens when I get to a damage window, and that turns out that's the majority, is there are times during the fight that I need to be more focused on my rotation and and make sure, okay, you're just in a position where you can stand largely still until you get better. Okay, this this window's coming up. If I have to miss a global, I'd rather miss this. But like how important, not all abilities are equally important in your rotation. Yes, obviously getting them all would be great. But like if I mess up my rotation on warrior and I drop a rotation by accident and I miss out on a little gauge or I overcap my gauge, that is very different than not popping infuriate inside of the two minute window when everybody else has everything going. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's a different ball game. And so like, but how do I know that? Because the math tells me that because I visualize via math. So I can go look at the graphs and it helps me understand my mistakes. Now, I haven't spent enough time with the content to kind of see that get better, but I can sympathize with people who just want to be able to get through the content and read your tooltips is not good enough information. Like, that's great that it works for the people it did work for. Great. We got those people. I'm not saying we should get rid of tooltips so that people who read them can't thrive. <laughs> yeah. Leave that in for them. But let's work on other learning methods as well so that we can catch these smaller buckets of people who just learn differently. How come Stone Sky Sierra can't tell me that my Storm Zy buff fell off? Right. Oh gosh, I, I got so you had, busy you dropped five on my seconds. gauge exactly. that I forgot that. You dropped it for five seconds and that caught, you know, like, and you, lost, and you lost, right, exactly. Meaning like, but that's, that's so genius. Like you could, you could How use the tools that they have in game and they could expand on. 
you know and it's like ultimately yeah like how much dps did that five second cost you and then like i think that that's just that's really good information to have now nevi uh, link in chat says uh, what does duty recorder actually do and this is a great question to highlight kind of the point of the feature that yoshi p talked about like we're going to build a feature that no other game has in relation to uh dps meters right like we're not doing dps meters we're going to build a tool and they they came they came out with duty recorder in which that you all agree and it's only specific duties that allow this but if you think of uh, halo's theater mode where you can play back the fight look at different angles look at what's all going on everybody in your group has to agree and has to be in one of the approved recordable uh you know uh like you know pieces of content and then you can actually use the tool thus Especially, and it rotates like unreals. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It's not an expanding number of duties. Correct. So they've they've added so, and then so it just disappears, which I think is really ultimately unfortunate because I would love to see that from when when they announced it. I was like, this is game changing for guide makers. You know, for all of this because we could sit down and and look at all the different angles, look at the different perspectives, rather than like have to record like record it. Chris and I when we were Music making videos. Yeah. When we anything more videos. Do it and There's now cool stuff in there. Yeah, and they brought out exploration mode, which is something I think was interesting. But I and I wonder if that piggybacked off of this, but it wasn't. It didn't have that that value, uh, you know, in it. And so what 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 frustrates me though is that I think this is going to be continual frustration because the like the terms are clear. Yoshi piece stance is a flip of the coin. Will they enforce this or will they not enforce this? Uh, oh, just don't talk about it. Oh, or just don't show it on stream. You know, and especially since they started enforcing the streaming side of things, especially in terms of like how the game is perceived, like at the end of the day, I don't think this ends well unless they actually follow through on two promises. We're going to look at add-ons and actually bring those features into the game, which creates a, a feedback loop of keep making add-ons so we can get in you know information of what we need. And then at the same time, at the same time, I forgot the second point. <laughs> the first one was so good. I forgot what my second thing, uh, second one was. We've got to get better about how we enforce this stuff. The, the way markers is that that's the topic that kind of brought this back up for this. We'll get a different, we'll have a different form of add on drama in 6.3's ultimate. If we get one, uh, I keep saying if, because like, I, I'm just more than, I'm more than understanding if they delay it to 6.5, they keep mm -hmm. saying 6.3 and I keep saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Not that's what they've said. They've said 6.3, but we have had ultimates delayed in the past. It feels like they've been knocking an incredible amount of content out in this game. If that was delayed, I don't even think that would be like unexplainable. I think when you look at the mm -hmm. amount of stuff that's come out, it'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So I think that 6.4 is going to get another round of Savage. And so like, add-on drama will continue popping up but this one felt different this one felt like all this person did was want a communication device that is in game to function in a way that it is designed to function in game it doesn't feel like they went and built some whole software right. suite that's modifying game files they're not logging anything that maybe somebody in the party doesn't want logged because like the thing about a dps meter the art one of the arguments is that like can it breed toxicity because it lets me see not just my numbers but it lets me see that pesky person in my party that's maybe not doing that's that's not trying to improve they're not here with the best of intentions and i can prove they're objectively not pulling their weight right like that right it does lead to that that there is an argument for that but like all this person did was say hey in my parties uniquely in my parties i want to be able to place add-on markers I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel 
like as big of a deal. And like, if you're asking me black and white, is it against the rules? Yes, it's against the rules. Okay, they got a ban. Fine. But like, I hope it wasn't a perma ban. I couldn't find anything on it, but I hope it wasn't. I hope it was yeah. like a, hey, don't do this again, because it feels ridiculous that we would sacrifice a player for the great sin of saying, I just want to be able to communicate with people that want to clear this content with me that haven't cleared it before. I just think that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's like if somebody expanded on the colorblind mode and like yeah. all it did was like add to the colorblind sliders in some way that like covered some whole type of colorblindness that people have. Like that just doesn't feel like where we want to be putting our energy. I'm not saying it's mm -hmm. not against the rules. So like if they if they tweet, you know, the official Square Enix account and go look at this add on I built, you're going to get banned. But but like outside of that, right, if there's just like, oh, I went onto this colorblind discord and I found these people like that are like trying to enjoy games, even though their eyes can't see the colors as they are on the screen. Let it go, man. Mm -hmm. Like, it's fine. Well, it's fine. And to that point, I'm and glad they're here to that point. And the, the second point that I was going to make that I now remember was like and the spare no expense kind of mantra where Farmer Girl points out that they did actually add the bigger cooldown timers. Uh, to to that and that's great like that's this is but then that feeds back to the loop of like well in order to get these things that we've been asking oh, for what's going to come first is it is it the spare no expense now means that we have the ability to do these things where before the answer was like we just don't have the budget uh, versus you know nowadays like okay great we can do this and let's start with where the add-ons are and, and look at the delta there the gap that these things are solving for the cooldown timers like you know like uh you know uh, color blindness the accessibility issues alone uh that can help overall improve the game that don't hurt anybody else's experience right like this thing we're specifically talking about didn't hurt anybody's experience um but in the in and of its case like you know yeah maybe maybe the the dps meters would definitely hurt people's experience but we already have a solution that we that I think would love that could evolve that and so that it doesn't become that. Um, but we'll have to ultimately wait and see in the long run to see you know what happens with the spare no expense and with this you know add on kind of like chasing in you know uh, or ushering in a hopefully a new uh, era of features that have long been on people's lists. The reason why the add ons exist is because they're like there's that need people are asking for these and eventually you know, programmers are like, wait a minute, I can, I think I can fix this. I can solve this. Uh, and so the drama also still kind of stems from when, like even with Zeppla and other content creators saying, okay, let's talk about what add-ons could make this game better if bringing it in. And then you yeah. see the the reaction like, no, the game is perfect the way it is. Don't like, da, 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 da. it's like that, that, that mindset isn't, isn't logical. Like it's Yoshi P is clearly saying they're going to do this the conversations just shift to like, what would add value? What would make this game better? Nothing would make this right. game better. The game's perfect. Okay. Well, you're, you need to go sit in timeout because we don't have time to deal with somebody like you. Let's actually kind of live in, you know, a space of, <laughs> you know, in, you know in space of reality. both focused a huge amount of kind of their community on saying like, okay, well, if they want to know what we want, here's what we want. They both made separate lists and separate videos. They both collected things on Twitter and stuff like that. And I think that's a really good thing to say like okay there's this game continues to add accessibility continues to add settings it continues to grow it continues to add features we continue to add new types of side content and so within that context is there anything that you would want that for example is already achievable if you're willing to break terms of service but you're not 
And so with that assumption, it's like, man, I see these people over here breaking the rules and they have this feature and I wish I had that feature. Uh, and so they've put a lot of that, like when we start to see the, the, the timers and stuff, that's, that's what that is. That's, that's a good thing that kind of grows the game. Um, because that add-on wasn't developed to like ruin the game that that add-on was developed to fix something that people do think, wow, that would be nice. Yeah. It would be nice to be able to place that marker right there where it's going to matter later. Mm -hmm, exactly now as we uh wrap up kind of the segment because i think that really much covers it uh overall i think it's a really interesting topic itself i do want to shout out to cole uh Evix, hanging out in chat guys if you aren't following cole's content we've had him on the podcast we're gonna get him back on the podcast uh i i don't know if there's another final fantasy 14 content creator that gets as much hate in the community as us than cole maybe he probably takes the cake it's some of the some of the things that he's shown me i put on twitter just something like it breaks my absolute ever living heart i'm like nobody needs to be dealing with that um so if you guys haven't yet seen this is up there this is up there to, i haven't we're seen just trying to talk to people who collect who are able to collect some pretty incredibly outlandish comments okay we should hear we should hear list the most like you know, like the, the, the Final Fantasy Andy's like content creator hate tier list. <laughs> we could have awards. Yeah. Like people, people with a play button, people without a play button. We could have different tiers. Yeah, absolutely. That'd wow. be so funny. That would, <laughs> uh, it's something that's really weird about this community guys. And, uh, you know, like we, we talk about it, uh, hopefully not too punches. much. <laughs> they, they produce 10 videos or more a month. You know, that yeah. way the, the quantity of hate can really build up quicker as opposed to oh, people yeah. who just post occasionally, but receive hate. How dare wow. you make free content that I can ignore. enjoy? Yeah, it, it completely <laughs> like, ignore. Ignore. Like, for the haters, ignore. Because we're not talking about people who enjoy it. Obviously, they can find it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, I, I now to the point where it's like, some of the stuff that Cole, like, I've seen him post, and Chris bringing up Desperate, I'm like, oh, Desperate 68. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's... It is. Yeah, it is so weird. Over on some discords. Oh, and not on that. Like it's always really funny when then you see it s spill over into Reddit, where where people like on Reddit like to sit here and just s talk like the content creation piece of it. Like that's what kicked off the but whole. It's, it's back to the read your own tools. They're like, I don't know why they can't just use our written guides. Our written guides are per are perfect. Okay, well some people like video guides. So like you said, his isn't perfect. Then go make a better one. It kind of makes like, me clearly. Yeah. He spent two hours writing up a post on all the things you hate about him making that guide would apparently take you less time than that here's my thought when i hear somebody say something like that it's it's like it's like somebody arguing the printing press was like publishing perfection and we should never have done anything after that we we fit we figured it all out back in the uh, the 1400s 1500s whenever the hell that was invented and uh and and we, we're good we said like my dad literally in a car ride one day he looked at me and this is like right in the late 1990s early 2000s and he's like i just don't know how technology could get any better than what it is right now and i'm like i looked at him i go well thank god you're not in charge <laughs> like all right like okay we we figured it all out we're done like ha are we <laughs> like interesting stuff but that'll be fun anyway again shout out uh to cole guys if you guys see his name see his content go check it out uh he's got a uh, an affinity for healing uh and, and much more than that but i always like kind of like to see kind of his takes on on healers in uh, Final Fantasy. And so, yeah, shout out to Cole. Thanks for being here in the live chat. Uh, Mike isn't a troll. He's just, uh, he's a hardcore like 1.0 sandbox player. So for those of you who don't know, very passionate. I love talking with uh, Mike, AKA Mr. R uh, YouTube. 
Uh, so just note that like he's very passionate. I, I always like him. Like we agree on a lot of things. We'll disagree on a few things. Um, so no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify him as a troll. I just classify him as somebody who, like, really just feels strongly exactly about like what they're talking about. So for those of you on just on Twitch, like, there's conversation going on about job crystals and and whatnot in classes. In fact, actually, like, if we're gonna talk about what I wish 2.0 did differently, it would literally be I wish they would have just deleted classes and just went right with the jobs. Like, I would have changed the you know the guild system itself and just gone with that because ever since that point after like ninja was the last class the game ever added and we've just seen job 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 and i've always wondered if spare no expense would mean that we would go back and literally just like groundswell this this you know this game in terms of like listen what are the classes like we don't use them there's not any value to them you know there was value to them in 1.0 because classes ended up becoming your solo play style and jobs became party unless they'd done different right never shorten the xp curve because now you level up so fast never shorten that but then instead said uh, i don't know the lore ramifications of this but instead said that like thaumaturge also got the red mage job crystal and mm -hmm. also got the machinist yeah. job crystal or whatever just yeah. insert anything here right and so if they had instead continued if they kept the same number of base classes in the game and every other job that's ever added, Gunbreaker, Dark Knight, all of them were just nested job stones inside of the other classes, then I think the classes would still have a lot of meaning to them yeah. as these kind of core mentalities of combat or these core mentalities of interacting with Ether or whatever whatever thread they chose to weave. That would have been a great solution in my opinion. I, I actually 100% agree. Genius. Right. Um, right. And downstairs. Then, and then, yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, that's where you start to kind of have this hybrid sub job almost kind of system. Like, oh, you're a, you know, this is your class. And then you pick a stone that ends up modifying that to like varying degrees. Like that would have been in an interesting system. But what we end up having is it's not even an upgrade system. It literally is a requirement. You know, it literally transitions the story into it. And it just feels very disconnected. And as a veteran 1.0 player, as somebody who looks back at the core of this game right now, that's something that I would lo love for them to sit here and say, look, this is our original vision. It didn't play out the way that we thought that it would. Let's re-address sure. all of this because it... It's too late. Well, it is. Okay. And that's, well, that's where it's like, that's where, is it better for them to go ahead and just say... 7.0 8.0 like we're like yoshi p wants to make a new mmo like when they talk about 10 years of support like you know yeah maybe that means some more expansions etc but does that make more sense to sit here and say like yeah we really need a new mmo like when we start looking at a next generation 2030 and beyond right over the course of the next couple of years like we got new world and we're going to be talking about that here in a second but you also have ashes of creation which will either save the genre or unfortunately will cause people to never look at MMOs again, according to certain content creators who state, I don't know what I'll do if ashes isn't a good game. And that has me absolutely concerned because I think ashes will do exactly what ashes will do. And then you have like things like blue protocol and you have things like Pantheon. So there is a, an interesting new technology evolution but we know that those are always going to be content lacking because you can't compete with 20 years of content with right. a with a launch of a game. And though that's why you got to have that that kind of build up. But then you start looking at like Final Fantasy 14. It's like 10 years. Like, OK, that that literally takes us into the 2030s. How how is this game going to visually compare 
if New World continues to develop itself, if Ash as a creation continues to develop itself, I think it will it will struggle. You know, when you start to look at like people who are coming of age, stepping into an MMO, you know, like there are systems that I think could be really revolutionary that I think Yoshi P has got un so much data that he could like say, okay, here's, here's our plan. And so you start thinking after 16, what's next, what's next for final fantasy. Like, anyway, that's, oh. and it could move to be something really positive. It doesn't mean that all of us will like it. Right. One of the hard things about aging as a gamer is you have 10, 20, 30 games in a genre under your belt. And you're picturing the best of your favorite moments in each of them, mm -hmm. each as they were at the time. And yeah. so you remember games as being graphically beautiful that right now may not hold up and they may not have been on in an art style where it appears vintage. It may just appear bad. Yeah. Um, and so like, we're kind of jaded by that and yet you're designing for all of gamers and so like as my nephew is getting into his very first games and he's just now getting to where like he's done his homework and he's being respectful to his parents that he gets time on the switch every day and 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 as he continues to grow and grow in independence and grow into a, a young man and and one day be college age he's going to have these strong developed opinions on games that released in 2018 2023 mm -hmm. 2030 those are going to be the games that shape his view of gaming and that means as a result, a lot of those games got to be games that he went in blind and saw concepts he'd never seen before. And it blew his mind, mm -hmm. even though those might be rehashes in our mind might be a rehash of something. Oh, it was way better back when I did it. Um, and so I think as we also look at this, we need to recognize that as gaming continues to change, it's changing for all of us. Yeah. And so I've, I've seen... Um, you know, we've been mentioning a lot of content creators today, but I've seen content creators that when you listen to them, it seems like I think maybe as different genres have shifted and as you yourself have grown, it might be time for you to step into a different genre because you're getting to the point where all you're doing is complaining about the genre you're in <laughs> and the things you're asking for are actually where there's another genre that has moved towards those. Yeah. And so somewhere in here, you may have accidentally crossed into being a different kind of gamer. And that's a bit of an identity crisis where it's like, well, no, I've always been an MMORPG player. It's like yeah. action RPGs may be the better fit now because action RPGs have grown and action RPGs are actually doing and focusing on a lot of the things that you're describing. It might be worth giving a few a shot. Um, yeah. And, and that'll be where we're at. You and I may shift into games where like if everything becomes kind of a battle royale game in, in our genre, then we may shift to something else. So like well, and you're, and okay. it could end up being that it's the shift ends up dropping the first, you know, M in the M and it just is like an action multiplayer online Diablo four. Could you know, they they could they could launch Diablo four in such a good state. And if Diablo four is so good, all of the all of the things that would hold people back and that they've had issue with slowly start to disappear that conversation goes and says like they, they either fixed it or like oh don't bring politics into this like i just want to i just want to enjoy this game right and there's nothing wrong with that i think it's and when, when i when i talk about that it's like let's just be honest about ourselves as gamers like good games have a tendency to cure any any of the things that can ail us or frustrate us like they could launch diablo 4 and it's so good they could bring in loot boxes and people would be like wow this is great. You know, like they'll defend it because the game has that, but you have to have that as a kind of a first and foremost. Now I saw Cole uh, in chat and I had it pinned up here on the thing talking about the graphical update. I'm glad they're doing a graphical update. However, I don't think that makes a better final fantasy 14. I think final fantasy 14 is beautiful. I think it's going to get better looking and it's interesting that they're doing that, 
but I think gameplay and systems are absolutely critical. And the Yoshi P's talked about some of these things, bringing an updated friends list, like all of these things that just need, you know, some, some TLC, some tender loving care. And hopefully maybe, a, maybe 7.0 is that maybe 7.0 is the time in which that we don't get new jobs, but we actually get a, them kind of doing a whole battle system job class, looking at the system as a whole quality of life. Obviously we're going to get the story itself, but when you start looking at the jobs that we do have, I know that there's jobs that aren't in the game right now that people still want to see, right? Like if they went and announced time age, I, I would freak the F out. <laughs> I would be like, finally, but if they also went and announced the time age for, for final Fantasy 11, I would freak the F out. Like that's the job that I've wanted in an online Final Fantasy game for a long time. So I am with them on what job would I like to see, right? But like at this point in the game, graphical updates, I don't think unless these, like unless what they just kind of showed is a very tip of the iceberg. And then all of a sudden 7.0 comes out and you're like, this is exactly the next phase of this game. Then I don't, I don't think that's going to be enough to actually start to draw people in in terms of either reinviting people back or inviting them in for the first time. What do you think, Chris? I, I think that I would love to see them just use the graphical update as a chance to go back and, and think through that content, right? The mm -hmm. time that it takes to go back and pull those assets. And, you know, as I do heaven's word cutscenes and you see banners and stuff that like the icon that's on the chess piece is now scaled up to whatever size they need. And it just looks terrible, mm -hmm. especially because it's not just one equal level of pixelization. It's massive pixelated image next to really detailed image. So like it, it really shows where the assets just weren't meant to be scaled to that size. Um, as you do that, that is an opportunity to say, do we need to rework this dungeon, which they've done when you see total mm -hmm. rock, it's a totally different experience. And so ideally you're going through and you're saying, yes, we need to adjust the camera angles. We need to adjust the lighting. We need to adjust the textures. As we do that, do we change these UI elements? Do we change the storytelling? Do we change this? And I hope that as we get into the open world, it's a neat chance to change. Do we change some of the fate spawn locations? There is nothing worse than being in a leave and a fate spawns. And yeah, we've gotten rid of some of that by covering it up by saying like crafters and gatherers don't get attacked by things. But like, that's just a bandaid to something that like, it's weird that they didn't have a map that has every possible event overlaid. And they just said, Hey, we have six things happening in the same spot. Can one of those move up the hill by 50 feet? Cause it would just clean it up just in case somebody ever like, all these little tiny things that have a chance to be friction when somebody picks up the game for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and they may not be things that those of us that already love the game need, but we're talking about continuing to grow the base. We're talking about people yeah. who are starting Final Fantasy for their very first time today, next year, two years from now. And in, in 2025, it's going to be weird when they're expected to still clear from ARR all the way up, if that's still the case by then. And they have to see some of these areas whether they be graphical or not there's still some clumsiness um that today's technology and and hindsight can inform um so i would love for them to kind of have a chance to step that up and just remaster the game step by step uh yeah. now you and i would love some additional features while we're at it like if we're going to have a class system i'd love to be able to have a sub job when i'm out in solo content mm -hmm. because in solo content not all classes feel identical i actually really like the way machinist feels i really don't like the way some of the healers feel feels a little clumsy to me. I don't like the way Black Mage feels in open world content personally, um, because I find that like I want to use my big AOEs and I don't feel like I can pull big. But if I could if I could sub job, 
then maybe I could bring a job and kind of move it into that halfway mm -hmm. step between it and limited bit. Yeah. And then I'm saying, but in like in dungeon and trial content, leave it exactly the same. When I'm with other people, leave it the same because they can fill my weaknesses. Yeah. But when I'm out on my own, um, you know, maybe as the, we learn more about lost actions and deep dungeon and all that, maybe we can find a way, whether that's picking up off another class or that's picking up off of, I don't know. It would be really cool if the open world content um, we could be a little more powerful. And, and then my question oh, yeah. would be, okay, now can the open world content develop content that allows us to show that off? Cause right now they can't, if they put something scary out in the open world, there'll be some classes that just struggle with it. Well, and that's, that's been the weakness and, and it, it's kind of a twofold because Yoshi P knows that if you make hard open world content, you have to have people actually in that, that zone. And otherwise it's just, you know, and how do you do that? And they solve that in, you know, the instant server with uh, Eureka, within Bosia. Now we do not and haven't heard about like a new exploratory zone coming as a part of Endwalker, but as we look forward to the future, if they go with a Guild Wars 2 model where they make the zones where it's like from pulling from the data center, funneling into the zone, so the zones are populated, then all of a sudden you can start to design open world content that's designed around people being there and doing things. And Fates could what they've done with Fates and Boja, like it was so good. Like it was so good because then all of a sudden it also opens up the opportunity for even more things. And what it ended up doing, one of the fun things I enjoy about that is it then allowed people to kind of form parties and you start meeting people as a social experience that isn't just glamour, that isn't just like, you know, dancing around in Limsa in your underwear, you know, like you have social experiences that are actually around battle content that don't expire in 20 minutes if you're good or 40 minutes if you suck, you know, and it's like, ultimately you end up having this like really cool organic experience, whether that builds relationships down the road is, is another thing. And that's another system that could, that could open itself up. And that's where, when you start to look at, like when I start to look at what I've wanted in this game for such a long time, like i want them to to take advantage of these beautiful zones especially if they're getting more beautiful uh with a graphical update and then also fill them as a part of the kind of the core content uh itself i would love to be able to level outside of hunt you know the hunts in the open world as an option like you start looking at what guild wars 2 did a decade ago with bonus experience for enemies that haven't been killed in forever like they've just been up in the zone and then you're like well you know you go kill him and all of a sudden you're like oh that was worthy that was worthwhile you know and so that's ultimately where it's like gosh there's so much potential in 14's future the question is is that is that potential hindered by some of the decisions that were made over a decade ago and my hope is that it hasn't been but the only way to kind of really find that out is that if we see yoshi p and his team kind of and we understand we, we as we start to learn what spare no expense means to yoshi p versus what we think it might mean. I think as a final note of the open world stuff and, and where it could go from here is that's also what helps with missed class balance. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the worst parts of having a class you identify with is that if it gets pushed out, if you are somebody who's on the top end, if you like extreme savages and ultimates and your class ends up in a weakened state where it gets pushed out of that community for any length of time, um, dungeons feel pretty lackluster. And so the fact that there's not more challenging content, maybe Criterion slides into that role, I don't know. Maybe Deep Dungeon, again, slides into that role. But if I could be doing my open world stuff, you know, on Machinist, and then mm -hmm. I had to slide onto Dancer for my static, that that helps in my mind to ease that pain a little, um, that my class still has a value. 
Uh, and like machinist, you know, how does it perform in PVP and all that? What I don't want is like, oh, well, because it performs well in these three modes, it's not allowed to perform well elsewhere or, or it's fair that it sucks elsewhere. It's just like, mm -hmm. how do we ease the blow when we miss it? Obviously we want perfect balance on all things all the time, but that's, that's not reality. Yeah. Uh, so when they miss the mark, do they have to miss the mark across the board? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that stings a little bit more. So I, I hope as they go back and remaster, they can kind of continue to reinvent the world. And and it's not just graphics because graphics on their own, these graphics will one day be outdated. The new ones that we haven't even gotten yet will one day be outdated. Mm -hmm. But what's not outdated is is good gameplay. It's emotional attachment to characters. It's, it's that meaning. You know, you hear that phrase. I saw it in chat. Beauty fades. Yeah, physical beauty fades. Aesthetic beauty fades. But, you know, you mentioned that like i'm about to take some time off to celebrate 10 years of being married to my wife and yes when i see pictures of us we looked more youthful and had had better skin and and were um configured in a more aesthetically pleasing shape with less around the middle um when we 10 years ago but as i look back over all of the pictures as we've we've gone back and we pulled some pictures and stuff to send to family who've asked um what, what all have you guys done over the last 10 years we sent them pictures of us from the grand canyon we sent them pictures of us from and all these places we've been i see as we've aged but I also am reminded of how much our, our relationships grown and that beauty, it, it only grows. And so as we look back at this game, as we do a remaster, as we go back and do these, I hope it's not just graphical um, because that that's a temporary fix mm -hmm. and it's a lot of resources for a temporary fix. Yeah. So I hope that it can go back and tune things like Toto Rock where they can go back and say like um, Battle at the Big Bridge or whatever, where they can say, this just needs to be different. This yeah. is just wrong. Absolutely. Now, as we kind of transition as that's our bonus topic for this special live show, just we keep, we, we, that's two in a row, two special hidden bonus topics that come up. I do want to say thanks. Uh, what's up, Code Breaker? We haven't played in a long time since they did the data center split. And I'm hoping that at some point that the fact that you're hanging out here in chat means that we can team up again. Always is a pleasure playing with Code, dude. I That was the hardest part about that that transition that uh, there were some people within our community here that just were, weren't able to play with. And also, um, we're going to, we're about to go to talk about Brinstone Sands and the PTR. Uh, uh, do we need to like run an ad? Cause I was going to let you guys know. Yeah. I was going to let you guys know. Twitch um, is a timer for it, Twitch. Yeah. If y'all have, uh, if y'all have Amazon prime, like you, like you have, uh, the, like if you can, uh, Chris and I are right now are both actually relying on YouTube uh, and Twitch revenue more than we ever have. Uh, before uh, my case, I really only really use the revenues around the time I got sick with COVID because I don't have PTO, but like it's a crazy world. So if you guys uh, do have Amazon Prime, it's a great and awesome free way to support us. Uh, we also here over on YouTube have the dollar membership level as a tier, kind of an entry level. Uh, you'd be surprised, but that goes a long way. So over on YouTube, uh, whether you guys can or, you know, like if you can't, no worries. Support is by being here. Support is liking these videos and lurking on the streams and the live streams. Uh, but yeah, every little bit right now goes a long, long way. Um, and so the only downside about Prime is that you got to have to like remember to put that on each and every month. It does not auto renew uh, off that. So uh, thank you guys for the support. Also, why uh, Final Fantasy 11 uh, dropping the Prime sub? You know, so if we do get to the goal of 850 uh, points right now, which we're coming up on 500, uh, we like to do these big bonus streams, uh, in which we kind of like do crazy things. Last one was an achievement hunter. Um, so guys just note that, uh, that support means uh, the world to us right now. Uh, hopefully I, I won't have to rely on it for, you know, for longer. Otherwise it's going to be like, you'll see a lot of Brian content because, 
Uh, it's going to be just, I guess, the way of the world for uh, for the time being. So welcome, everybody. And uh, this is Brian and Chris here. Um, we're talking about New World and giving my first impressions of uh, the PTR's Brimstone Sands. Um, but this is also a conversation, especially about PTR, about leaks and data mines. Uh, if you guys haven't been following my New World content, I have a channel that's focused just on New World. It's called Ginger World Gaming. And honestly, it is just obviously right now with the hype and with everything coming to the game itself, it is just blowing up. So thank you guys already over 5,000 subscribers on the new world channel alone. And it's an exciting time to be a new world fan. And overall, they just added the PTR, the new zone brimstone sands, which is a massive desert Egyptian and Roman themed environment one of the things that i really actually enjoy about new world is it's taking from all of human history and bringing in some of these iconic people who've made their way to this island and it's just an interesting way to kind of tell these unique tales but uh, on the ptr we've also seen data mining and if you guys have seen any of our final fantasy 14 content our data mine anytime data mining comes in it's always a red alert flag being like warning warning because we've seen time and time again things that come up in data mines that have a different take on what people's expectation lines up and we've seen that happen with mounts especially in final fantasy 14. so ultimately chris has yet to kind of see what's going on i keep him apprised in these videos uh of what's going on with new world uh he plays he's got like your characters are in, in level 30 range etc brimstones is a, is a level 60 zone that's being added but the beauty of this also is it's not just the brimstone sand zone. They're going back through uh, the other starting zones and really kind of like it feels to me like they're having this level of confidence of, hey, we've learned a lot of lessons. How can we how would we revisit the game itself? So I've played the new player experience. I've played and explored the, the new zone. And there's this massive giant worm boss that just is like you're running around and all of a sudden it's like. And there's this thing that's just going to try and eat you. It's pretty surreal. Like, it's pretty epic. And so I want to kind of, like, answer any questions that Chris has about the zone itself. And we're going to also then talk about, like, PTR and data mining and leaks. Because we saw uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 kind of get leaked and some of the conversation around that. So, Chris, floor is yours. So I think there's two things at play here as somebody that plays many MMOs. And with any of you guys here that usually focus on um final fantasy 14 but like i i also play wow i also play guild wars 2. um so i guess first we'll talk about the content that's coming and then we'll talk about how they are unveiling it because final fantasy 14 does not do any form of ptr and mm -hmm. heavily avoids spoilers world of warcraft goes far the other direction yet still from time to time you see data mining and spoilers um some communities choose to give literally no information on anything at all as we've watched um grand theft auto 6 leaks this week and and new world seems to be somewhere in between so gameplay first um when you talk about the zone being level 60 that's one of the hard things about adding content mm -hmm. is you continue to add content this kind of acts as their you know as they're trying to get their feet on what will an expansion look like what does a patch look like this seems solely in-game focused mm -hmm. does this drive the population to spending most of their time in that zone that would be, I think, unfortunate for the game as a whole. It will drive, I think, for a little bit. But then as things get settled down, you might like that zone and its aesthetic more than you like the other endgame zones. But the nice thing about it, the strength in that is that it is visually different from like that of Ebonskill Reach or Reekwater so that, or you know, Shattered Mountain. So it's, it's a whole new biome 
so that from a visual aesthetic, it's not like, oh, this was just copy and paste, like trying to move me over here. But for the, at least the short term, the way that they've got it designed in the content and how everything's kind of laid out, I think it's going to be very popular with endgame players for at least a month or two before populate. You end up kind of saying like, yeah, I'm kind of sick of being in the desert. I'm going to go back to where the trees are wild and crazy and, and what have you. Um, what that's going to be really an interesting take because we already see in the map itself too, Chris, is that there's more zones that are already attached to this in the West and in the North. And then the question is, is that does that continue to scale up in terms of level? Or do we start to see them also offering, like you said, like a mid-core or a lower level zone that could end up having some value to the player base in, in the long run? Um, the nice thing, though, is that they, like it, while, instead of adding in new zones, like if you go look at, you know, Monarch's Bluff, it's got a very King Arthur theme now, castles. When you go look at like, uh, you know, um, you know, Everfall, like it has this very like european kind of feel with its design and layout and they're saying they've got big plans for first light so that it looks like at least in the meantime outside of adding in a new lower level zone or a new mid-level zone they're going back and saying hey we've learned a lot in the last year let let's take that knowledge and actually bring it into the the entire game so that anybody coming back is going to be surprised there's going to be a reason to play in the lower level zones okay so i think that's positive right they're not leaving content to die um one of the things that i see really struggle with games that suffer from long-term success uh games that make the mistake of living a long time uh guild wars 2 world of warcraft and final fantasy all do this and so when you look at games that survive a really long time that problem with long-term life is that legacy content eventually becomes too old to support and just dies mm -hmm. you see this with you know many people that don't enjoy um, aspects of the Realm Reborn zones. You see this with uh, World of Warcraft with basically anything that's not its current expansion. Um, and Guild Wars has various forms of content that do die, even as a lateral game. Um, its dungeons, for example, uh, are pretty under-supported. So it's nice to see them taking the initial steps to continue to support content. It would be a bad sign if a year in they were like, yeah, there's already some things we consider old. It's not old yet. Uh, and so it's nice to see them supporting that. Do we have any idea like how often they're going to release zones like this, or do we get a full expansion at some point, or is it always just steady one zone, one zone, one zone? That's one of the things when it comes down to the unknown with new world, because people are labeling this as an expansion. And that's something I've been trying to kind of fight that mindset. This is just an update, a big update as a part of the roadmap and it does expand the zone so i can see how people make that kind of connection but i do think we're going to hear about bigger announcements that might adhere to that of an expansion itself because if this was like people will say in terms of scope or size you would think of this as a dlc over like the term expansion where destiny kind of really screwed that you know kind of refining thing back in the original days at least they now seem to have their ducks in a row when it comes down to that so this feels more akin to a dlc than uh than a real expansion and um but we don't know we don't know if they're going to go the the you know the um uh, the no man's sky route or we don't know if they're going to go the paid expansion route. I do get the the feeling we'll see paid expansion, you know, model come into the game. Um, and this you know. is free, right? This is free. Okay. Yeah, this is. Yeah. So 
it starts to feel like, I know you're not caught up in Guild Wars, but in Guild Wars, this starts to feel like a living season. So living seasons add to the narrative narrative element of, this, of the game. They add new high-end battle content. They add a new zone specifically targeting those players, but they do so in a way that ideally continues to foster more new players come into the game that don't yet have access to that zone and more and the the veteran players to have more reasons to go back into old zones so like living seasons tend to just expound on the game and i think that's that's a good thing um so it sounds really close to that method uh wow does this with patches where they'll add a new zone but then that new zone is usually wildly gimmicky so it's usually really focused on a particular narrative a particular way of interacting with that zone and so it actually feels um, closer to like a Bajja Zadnor, but without the timer. It feels like this big ongoing zone that you're supposed to go visit. And if you miss that patch, you actually might skip that zone altogether. As opposed to like, when I go into Guild Wars, I'm still going back into old living season zones and I need to for various things. Um, but in WoW, like if you if you join in Dragonflight, you're not gonna go back and do Zareth Mortis, I guess. Like you just you just don't. Um, you don't go back and do Najdazar or whatever it was called in BFA. You just, you just ignore these zones. Um, but I think be, part of that's because they don't leverage legacy stuff. So how, when, so Final Fantasy doesn't do this, right? Final Fantasy has added exploratory zones, but they're instances effectively. So we've never really gone in and had like whole okay. zones added. We have had like right. the tribal quests of Thavnir actually created a location that did not exist during MSQ. And that, that zone itself in Thavnir changed a lot over MSQ. Um, but they've never gone in and been like, and now you get to go to Northern Vilebrand, or now you get to go yeah. to the other half of Thavnir, or now you get to go to Corvos. We don't do that mid expansion. We get a, a we get a, a palette of zones yeah. at the beginning of the expansion. We build on those. Will this zone be something they continue to develop? Will this zone be kind of full featured from day one? Um, what does it look like when New World decides to add a zone? Uh, that's going to be when when it fully drops in live, uh, you know, in October. I think we're going to have a better understanding, but it does feel very fully featured. It does come with a dungeon. It does come with open world dungeons uh, and places of interest that you want to go explore and, you know, various different. Like it also what, what's interesting also is it comes with new materials so that from recipes and crafting recipes, how does this affect the world economy now that we can get sandstone, now that we can get you know, like uh, this other thing. It also comes with, but it's just really interesting. When we start talking about um, some of the negative things that happen to you as a player in the game, we've had, you know, blight, which is like this poison. Uh, we've had corruption, which, you know, will put damage on you. Uh, and brimstone, it introduces acid as a, you know, another thing that can hurt you. And then if you're, you know, like they can impact you as you're as a player. So it's like, how, how is that also going to overall impact the economy? Because there are recipes that, you know, new recipes obviously coming in that will take advantage of these materials, but older recipes don't have those, those materials factored in. So is this going to be something that obviously high-end players, you know, for just high-end play is going to, to kind of impact it. We also get the ultimate abilities that kind of change out how your builds are going, going to function maybe uh, in the long run. And this is one of the weird and interesting things where I kind of want to take this uh, conversation to, but uh, before we do uh, kind of talk about PTRs, the positive and the negatives, because we know 14 does not, but then we do know WoW does and, you know, New World does. Um, you know, Agent in uh, chat says a Dune-based RPG would actually be cool. They're actually making a Dune MMORPG that was announced, uh, you know, and that's something that's going to be coming on the way. But also when it comes to, like, yeah, you think Dune, there's Stargates in, in Brimstone. Like, there are these, like, structures either built by the Ancients 
And then that started me when I looked at it, I go, that looks kind of like what I would call a Stargate. And you know, want to know who owns the Stargate IP? Amazon, because <laughs> they bought MGM and they, they are now the, the whole, and I was like, how, what a weird twist of a world would it be if in our non-licensed, you know, based off any license or franchise MMO, we start bringing in our, you know, like our licenses and our franchises, but it's pretty, it was just interesting. It was just interesting. It does kind mean of you thing. can never sell those if you start making those events or, yeah. or, or, and when you do it, gets more complex. Like if you've been mixing everything, mm. it's why Square Enix even keeps that stuff separate, right? You see like even crossovers within the Square Enix company feel like they're licensing it from themselves. Yeah. Um, Cause they're keeping those properties separate. Um, anyway, yeah. so now here we are on the PTR. So uh, okay. over on the PTR, actually, even uh, Damone Kim, another content creator, covers MMOs as well. Uh, he was breaking down like some of the data mines and things that we're seeing. We know loadouts are coming. We know mounts are coming to this game. We know like all of these things are coming. And we know that they're going to have fresh start servers. And then we talked about last week, the impact, the pros and cons. We know there's going to be a kind of a Twitch uh, event, lots of streamers, race for New World again, all over and over. Uh, and so there's like all this stuff we we actually found from data mining from the PTR itself. So it looks like a lot of these things are going to be pretty uh, integrated and exciting for the game's future. But how much of that being that like even in my video talking about Brimstone, I actually just open up with like a just a regular like kind of coffee chat kind of, uh, you know, face before I'm like the rest of this video, I'm going to be showing the zone. So if you do not want it spoiled, like, you know, visually for you don't, you know, like just note that minimize this. If you still want to hear my thoughts, et cetera, like that in and of itself is like, how much does PTRs have a negative or a positive impact on MMORPGs, especially because this is really my first foray into a PTR where in the past you said, if you really want to get the jump on and covering world of Warcraft, especially as a YouTuber, you have to be on their PTR. I have to be on the PTR and yeah. I don't like being on the PTR. Why don't you like being on PTR? I don't, I don't like what a PTR... So I like the way Final Fantasy does things. They give us two live letters. They've shown us some dungeon screenshots. They've shown us what to expect. It's more than enough from a coverage standpoint to cover as the news and be educated on it. And when patch day comes, I'm experiencing things for the first time. But if somebody pops in and say, hey, what changed today? I can give them a rundown. It's more than enough to do my job. It's more than enough for me to enjoy it as a player, mm -hmm. um, but it does not venture into the territory of trying to actively kind of have my day one experience early on World of Warcraft. If you are somebody that likes to be on the cutting edge economically in the game, um, world first race, uh, a content creator, or you're just somebody that likes to be on the cutting edge of what's out there and you like, like leaks and things like that, a PTR becomes an official form of them leaking things on there in trade for hopefully getting back some feedback. So mm -hmm. I like that people do engage with the PTR. I'm just not going to be one of them. Yeah. Like I like that they're there because they're asking for feedback. So I hope somebody gives it to them. I'm just telling you it's not going to be me um, historically. And, and so like my views on that are kind of slowly changing as I like to be a little more aware of what more games are doing. And a PTR is a really good way to kind of see their thought process mm -hmm. because you're getting to see them think kind of in real time. Um, but 14 doesn't do a PTR. Guild Wars does anything that they want a PTR. They just do in the live environment, yeah. which is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, World of Warcraft does a PTR. And so like, I'm trying to understand where New World is and where we would hope future games would be. Where do yeah. you hope Ashes falls? Where do you hope these games fall? And and do any games need to move where they are right now? There is an argument for World of Warcraft pulling back from the amount of things they put on the PTR. There's an argument for, for Final Fantasy XIV. Um, there have been people who are very frustrated with how limited the access to things like the media tour are 
that there aren't more things other than basically the um the benchmark that gets shared in advance there's very few things should they should they do that mm -hmm. um so where does what all does new world put on a ptr compared to what drops on patch day pretty much outside of anything that's labeled like this is a specific ptr test we're testing out this idea um if it's if it's labeled as that and then pretty much the ptr becomes the the live environment uh and we've seen that happen a few times where they're like listen we're going to test out something like this is not meant right now for live uh this is kind of a little special so they'll highlight that in patch notes themselves um and that's pretty much what it is so we are right now testing basically the october build uh, and what they've been doing on the PTR is actually interesting is they, they've been rolling out in stages. So they really wanted players to test the new player experience and not get distracted by brimstone. So we didn't, uh, for the first two weeks, it was all PTR, new player experience, great sword, go nuts, go have fun with that. That's what we want feedback on first. And sure. then essentially just this last Thursday, brimstone rolls out. Great. Let's get some feedback on that. And what they're actually discovering is really interesting. It's actually a point of frustration. And it was a part of the feedback that not only I provided, but many others. I made a video on this specifically because what happened was, is that you have these quests that turn into these rapid bottlenecks because enemies weren't spawning fast enough or they were dying super fast because there's just this horde of players rolling through. That boss is going to die in one second you got to get a hit on them or you're going to have to wait until the next time that boss spawns, which will be a few minutes from now at a minimum. Oh, like it's not, it's just generally not fun. And so at least the feedback that I gave was like, detect how many people are on the quest, detect how many people are in that area and increase their spawn rate and or HP. Because at the end of the day, like people want to get that hit in, they want to continue on. But it doesn't feel good when boss spawns, boss dead, you continue to wait and more people are still filling in. It's not like that queue is, oh, okay, yeah, I've, I've, I finally got it after two or three spawns. No, it's you're still like, oh, now the next wave of players who were behind me at the last gate, you know, came into it. Now, the nice thing is they, Amazon's already responded. They're like, hey, next update for the PTR. This should be fixed. So I actually have been holding off on testing because it actually just wasn't one quest. It felt like it was one quest. You do some other things and then you hit another wall. You do some other things and you hit another wall. So ideally, this is something like they're like, oh my gosh, yes. That was something we didn't anticipate. Now, it's also not a problem when it's five people. Like when, like if it's just five people running through, like you'll never find that information out. You would never see what, what they actually saw with the rush. And you know, and then after here in, 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 in a year when Brimstone isn't the new new and people are playing through the, 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 the zone storyline, et cetera. Like, yeah, they probably won't run into that problem at all ever. But, you know, like this is where it's like they need to definitely like pay attention to this. And we've seen other games actually address this by having multiple pathways so that it's like, OK, yeah, clearly we're not sending in, you know, 300 people or, you know, the servers, you know, continue to increase their capacity you know, a thousand people into this, like, okay, let's, you know, let's try to separate them. people out yeah. in Endwalker at the beginning, they yeah. spread people out and world of Warcraft has gone back and forth on this because you cannot tell a cohesive linear story. If you let people do chapters out of order. Mm. However, if you don't let people do things out of order, a, there's no agency, none. You're just along for the ride on a tram on your left. You'll see this like, that's yeah. it. You're just, you're just getting dragged through the content and be on launch day. You are, you are just continually funneling people 
you know, they slide off the path, get back on the path, get back on the path. And you're just keeping them. Don't walk on the grass. And it tends to make the path crowded, Mm -hmm. um, which is just asking for problems. And if there is a problem and it only affects a fringe group, uh, or if there is a problem that is based on load, you're guaranteeing that that problem will be found. Um, because you're, you're saying, Hey, we tested it with 200 testers six times Mm -hmm. with a simulated thousand people on the server. Great. Now let's do it with 20 million people on the server. Uh, and let's (laughs) do it a couple of million times and let's see if we can find a problem that our testers didn't find in the two weeks they had to test. It's like, of course you're going to find things like, like just the, the scale of what's being tested is crazy. Um, so the PTR is, is a really interesting thing. The fact that they're funneling like that, that's how Guild Wars does things. Uh, when I say they do it in the live environment, um, imagine if World of Warcraft players Evoker, uh, imagine if for Final Fantasy players, Sage and Reaper. Um, mm-hmm. And so just imagine if for a moment, um, prior to the expansion going live that, that that was in, you got a given period, maybe uh, a week-long lockout or something like that, that when you logged in, you just had a separate character that was your brimstone character in this case, and you logged into it, and anything you got on it, you didn't get to keep. But that character was basically a beta character, but it's on live servers. So if you hop into a PvP match, you're in there with people's mains. Mm-hmm. So they whether you run a dungeon, oh, we got an evoker as our healer. That's your real healer. Um, now that character will be uh, deleted at the end of the week. And I, I think there's some weird stuff with like, well, how does it work with like account wide locks? And I think you could like mail things off. So like there's some logistics that has to be sorted out on the back end. But effectively, you're saying, I don't want feedback just from PTR players. Because one right. of the downsides I see in a PTR is that you're not getting authentic data. Mm-hmm. You're getting people who behave really weirdly. You get people who don't care about their money. They don't care about their progress because it's not going to be kept anyway. You get only the most hardcore people are, are hopping on there in the first place. So you get very little casual feedback, kind of like making an adjustment to like a savage fight after only one week of it being out. You're only really getting feedback from people who made it to that savage fight that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any log data you get is heavily skewed towards very talented invested players. Um, just as a hypothetical thing that might happen. Uh, and so like, <laughs> no, no real world. Like PTRs are hard. Um, so like, how do you, you know, and, and there is an argument of like, what do you just want me to do your QA team's job? No, it's, it's different. The, the people, the PTR has feedback. And so the QA team is now reading feedback instead of testing themselves. It's the same labor. But instead, I can read feedback from thousands of players, or I can test only what I see. Yeah. So it's all QA. A PTR is QA. Not having a PTR is QA. Every company gets by with as little QA as they can pay for and get the quality that they expect. Nobody's over QAing. They're QAing to exactly the threshold. If they do a lot of QA, that's because they think it's mandatory. If they didn't think it was mandatory, they would cut that cost because it's just expense. It's really hard to realize in the moment how much you spend on QA versus problems. Um, if you could get the same testing results in less time, that would be better. Uh, so like, that's, that's where we're at. Um, I have friends who have worked in QA and, and like understand the time crunches they're under and devs don't want to go pencils down. They're like, no, the patch doesn't release to the state, but they have to turn it over. So like that QA time, it's not just like, oh, we don't want to have QA staff. It's also that like QA staff are actively competing with development time. Mm -hmm. Cause if you're going to test the final product, that means it has to be final. Uh, 
which means that like devs at that point are only bug fixing. That's all they're allowed to do. Yeah. So it gets really hard. I have friends that work for big hardware companies and they talk about, you know, companies like, but not limited to like Nvidia or Apple as an example. How does that work? When do you go pencils down? Um, and that's a weird time for devs. So how does new world handle that? Well, right now, like you said, like it's with the rollout, they're focusing on bug fixing. They're focusing on kind of like, like feature tweaking. It's not that they're going to sit here and all of a sudden add a new system unless it's already part of the plan and they're in their kind of rollout. Like as we've seen loadouts in, in the data mine for the PTR, but not yet actually being tested. Meaning when we start to look at when we actually saw the zone for Brimstone in the PTR, that was in July, we weren't able to access it, but we could actually see it on the map. Meaning like, yeah, these things are getting staged in as a part of like rollouts, but they're not flag to be on and so when it comes down to it it's like this is bug fixing balancing uh you know looking at feedback and and kind of prioritizing like is this feedback that's going to prevent like that's going to cause issues when the game goes live when this goes live in october or is this feedback that's like oh yeah we definitely need to address that let's put that make sure that's you know the devs who are working on what's coming next or, or hey look into this and let's make sure we have this ready to go and so that's essentially what's what what's ultimately happening right now like the Honestly, I can tell you from playing on the PTR, like you feel a difference than you actually do on live. Like the code of the game feels more solid. It feels like it's like, oh man, the game feels way more optimized. Like it feels like within all of these things that there's many teams and this is kind of the effort of multiple different kind of things. And even if it's not a patch note, like anybody who's playing on the PTR, like when you go play on live, like live feels really good right now but the PTR feels even better and you're not even, you could be just running around any of the zones they haven't touched. You're like, all right, this definitely feels way more optimized, way more, way, way better performance, et cetera. So now this is bug fixing. Um, as we look at the rest of this month and then in October, like my, my biggest fear right now is that October the 18th is both new world and 14, you know, dungeons like the criterion dungeons like that in and of itself will mean like a wild day where it's like, whoa, you know, why, why both of you? Like my, my dream MMO content creator mind says not at the same time, guys, <laughs> like just like not at the same time. Like y'all look at each other's schedules and say, you know what? We'll go the next week. Uh, that would be wonderful. But right now it's, it might be seeming that, you know, October the 18th is, ends up being a pretty busy day, which gives them roughly another, you know, month of, you know, fixing and testing and making sure that when it does drop that people who are coming back for the first time, whether it's fresh start, have a, smooth experience what you don't need when if you're new world devs right now is people coming back and it's like and the game doesn't run you know like we don't because that in and of itself will like deflate the the uh, the hard work and the long hours that they've been putting in um uh, and then um you know like and i don't know if cole's talking about 14 but they have a new halloween event that's on the ptr right now that we're testing and that boss is legit freaky and hard as hell. Like, it's like, it's interesting. I'd love to know your thoughts. Cause like, as we kind of pivot and unfortunately I do have a hard stop at noon. So this might, we might save our, what was going to be our third topic for, for Wednesdays, uh, kicking off Wednesday's live show. So guys think about what crossovers you want to see in 14. Um, so within the, within the, uh, within the Halloween event, like, yeah, you can go run, uh, the, the mobs that you start farming around level 30. So it's like, okay, that feels like a decent level for a Halloween event. The summer event was level 20. So in 14, it seems around level 15. That's kind of where the, you know, the seasonal events say that's when, that's when we want you in these. And in 14, they're straight up like, yeah, go do this, go do this. Here's your achievement. Here's your, whatever the reward is. Thank you for playing. 
in this one, it's like you go and you're killing these pumpkins. And then all of a sudden this level 66 boss spawns in and will destroy you. Like, it's not like, oh, I see that you are a solo player. It's, oh, let me adjust to you. No, it's like you, oh, you weren't ready for this. And there was something so beautifully exciting about that experience because I was in there, I was playing with uh, Mike, AKA uh, Sir Rule here. And we were sitting here and all of a sudden it's like, and, and all it is is laughing and screaming. Oh God, he's, he's focusing it on me. Oh God. And then you're like watching his life barely tick down and you're like, all right. Okay. <laughs> this is crazy. Cause it's a quest step and it, it's to beat this guy right now. It's a quest step. And I was just like, yeah, we got yeeted and freaking deleted multiple times. And we even started teaming up with other people running into the area and it was just, it was just chaos. So it's like, all right, like that's, this is going to be something that's different because it's not like the other events that I've seen in other games. Like this feels like it's like built for level 60 players, which is unique and curious is to see the long-term effects of that. Cause imagine wanting to get into the Halloween event and then being like, well, no, <laughs> sorry. Better luck next time next year. So you're talking about staged things. You're talking about upcoming events. You're talking about communication from the devs. Yeah. So the final portion of this topic is how things get rolled out and what happens when you roll something out to the servers because you need that internally, but it's yeah. meant to be staged. It's designed to be staged. And so you aren't ready for it to be public or what happens if something gets leaked otherwise um, through somebody breaking embargo or an employee mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, we're seeing Grand Theft Auto. It's... Grand Theft Auto 6 footage has been leaked. The Grand Theft Auto uh, 5 and 6 source code in theory is out there being circulated and being ransomed. And there is a portion of the people voicing their opinions on this that feel like because Grand Theft Auto has been around for like 10 years and they haven't said anything about Grand Theft Auto 6, that they somehow deserve to have their material leaked and then ransomed. Right. Um, that, that, mm. that they've earned that. Um, and so like, Sounds like an entitled 14, gamer. leaks. Yeah. As well, we see leaks, even with PTRs, right? There's there's rumors now of, of kind of some bigger stuff on the horizon for WoW. Um, how do kind of leaks affect? Um, how do how do how do they how do how does that affect New World? Um, how's New World in getting in front of or behind yeah. leaks and getting information out at a pace that will satiate gamers? What's interesting here is that I don't actually think we've seen real leaks because the devs have communicated and signaled these things before they quote unquote leak what the leak ends up doing is it kind of in a way is building in a level of trust that is going to have to establish itself with time devs confirmed like in february loadouts are on the way oh now we're starting to see the code in the in the ptr so for anybody who's not been paying attention i get to go out and say loadouts are on the way you don't have to just trust the words of a dev from february here's here's the evidence of that. Here's the information in the PTR. Um, same thing with even like the, the, the events, even with the fresh start servers, the devs actually already communicated these things already, but not like in so much detail. So we're, it just basically in this case starts to just kind of build off of what they've already said. Devs confirmed they were working on mounts like back in November. And now we're and now we start to see them kind of being a little bit more open and loose with that. So in my mind, we actually really haven't seen anything leak. In fact, they they brought in musical instruments in July 
and it completely shocked everybody. That was something that they didn't say was coming, and then we didn't see it on the PTR. So honestly, I'm really kind of the impression is that these aren't really what I would call leaks or data mines within New World. These are planned specifically already building off of things that they've said. So as you start to read like what they post on the forums and you know on social media, yeah, like you, not everybody's get getting that information. So it feels like a leak. It's as exciting as we got special information, but what it is is actually confirming something they said a while ago. Um, and yet any, and I haven't seen anything drop. The only thing I guess would be the exception would be the mutator dungeons. They said, you know, Hey, we're going to work on some, you know, something with a the dungeon. They didn't really go into it. And then we see in the data mines back in the day, Oh, dungeons level up and they have all these different things. And, you know, it was like, Oh, that was, that was the last thing I could ultimately remember. But everything else that seems like they've communicated in a way, like it maybe could be kind of cryptic. It's not like full-fledged details and we actually get more details on it, but it isn't something like GTA 6 where it's like, yeah, everybody knows it's being worked on, but we actually see gameplay footage and the people feel owed the information for making them wait so long, which in my mind, that's just gamer entitlement. My favorite was the yeah. ones who say, we already paid them. You didn't pay them for six, you paid for five. Pay for five. So like, because you bought a game 10 years ago, your owed information on the next game. Right. And they're like, way to care for your fan base. Well, I mean, GTA six doesn't have a fan base. Like, yes, I'm sure it plans on hopefully converting a lot of GTA five players, but that's not an obligation. That's going to be a challenge you. if they don't if have you an online GTA five, You are not obligated yeah. to play GTA six and they're not obligated to build a game that appeals specifically to GTA five players. If they feel that they want to take the game in any direction, they can like that's their product if they don't yeah. want to talk about it that's their right just because if you were running the product team you You're would talk different. about it that's it's their call i, I think uh, if they were running the product team they wouldn't because they start to understand the importance of the message and and, and controlling the excitement and hype now that kind of thread in gta's case is actually they've lost that they've lost the ability to deliver that like where you go P, and, and one of the things we get back to the devs there is our ability to be excited and to share that excitement and that announcement uh, you know, male Vieira, right? Like we got to see like a lot of people who are excited for that, get the thing that they've been wanting, you know, for uh, two years. And then that was like, you know, imagine having that already out and that ends up being uh, huge. And then you can end up having this shared moment of excitement and a gift back to the devs for their hard work. And so I think essentially that kind of is a, is a key aspect. And so when people are like, I, watch those clips. Yeah. yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift. Um, and so when all that stuff gets ruined, that's why it's like, if 14 added a PTR, I think there'd be way more things that, you know, could get ruined. And so I'm kind of glad 14 doesn't do it in new world's case. I'm kind of glad they do, but then it ultimately gets to a, to a system of, is there a point where you trust them enough that, that we're good, that they've learned the lessons enough and, and who knows, like that, that could be something that here in five, 10 years, New World still has a PTR and we're still excited for its future or it ends up being like, yeah, like I really don't, you know, I, I'm just going to wait till whatever drops on live drops on live. The majority of player bases wait for the live stuff. I think you end up having kind of those who are really excited, cutting edge or content creators, because one of the things that like I do feel the pressure, especially at having a dedicated New World channel, like, yeah, I want to go check out the PTR because I want to disseminate the information and, and make it value, you know, value driven for for the people who like and watch my videos, you know, it's like, there's like being on the front lines kind of has that impact. And so I'm trying to be cognizant of these two forces at play, like spoilers versus not as somebody who's not spoiler sensitive. It, it, I, I know I'm not impacted, but I know that especially coming from final fantasy 14, like spoilers are a, 
a huge thing. You know, it's, you know, you got to be very careful. And what some people define, even still today, what some people define as a spoiler in 14, like, I'm like, I don't see it. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I do not see how you make that connection to this as a spoiler. The only reason why you're saying that is that you know what happens. It's not spoiling it for you. So therefore you think it's a spoiler for other things. Like watching certain, you know, fights doesn't spoil it for me, but I have my own, you know, weird code you know, in that regards. There are times that it does, right? There are times where a boss talks or things like that and like makes big reveals in a fight. And that's very different, right? And there's there's fights where like you'd go, wait, why are we fighting them? And so like that element of it's kind of mm -hmm. kind of taken away. But like um especially when we look at things like like P5S, P5S or P, watching the, the world first race or watching P5 normal, like mm -hmm. that fight has no context. Um so if they would if they really wanted to go true spoiler free for people's streams, they would let me um have a setting like abbreviate bosses names if i've already seen the boss if i've already cleared the fight abbreviate bosses names because that's it like it's, it's just the names abbreviate the duty like if they would just do that like i i feel that i could stream p5 through 8 without names and have the text not and if they wouldn't have the text appear over the screen of any time the boss talks and they're just bosses mm -hmm. um they're just bosses with abilities that means nothing you don't know what you don't know um however like today when i'm streaming heaven's word msq yeah that's gonna have some spoilers on it <laughs> like, <laughs> um yeah so absolutely now uh, cool. as, as we wrap up this uh this last video and a section of the live show itself before i get ready to jump into my my you know my next thing uh you know cole smith asks has new world announced for start servers uh would actually launch i'd consider it but i want uh, all the new leveling changes in place, etc. So no official date for fresh start, but I'm guessing they're going to pair it with the October release because then you get all of the new starting experience. It would be weird to do a fresh start and then in two weeks, then Changes. launch it. So now as to the date where it's looking like it's October, my guess would be sometime mid October um, would be the most uh, like, I guess, reasonable and rational kind of time frame. Um, they are running an event. We do know uh, not, we don't know the start, but we know that it's planning on ending on uh, November the 18th. They're going to be uh, having kind of this big Twitch drop and probably sale and all of these things going on. So when we talk about them turning on marketing and the excitement and the hype, um, it's going to be like, so the only th the thing is that if you're going to start with fresh start, like that's brand new character, no transfers, etc. You're kind of starting into this fresh world as a fresh character and there's going to be streamers. And I don't know how many fresh start servers there will be, but that's something you want to probably take into account because if you're expecting, you know, this kind of like really nice casual experience note, they'll probably be big streamers playing maybe on one of these worlds. Cause that's where they're, they're going to be partnering up with some of these big, big guys. And that's going to, that could cause it, you know, that could ruin a fresh start experience depending on that i'll be sure to break all of the information down as we learn it from the official sources over on gender world for you guys uh for those of you who are interested now if you're asking should you return and you want to play on your character yes the answer is yes and now is the time it's got a player driven economy so gold has a lot of value and you could be making tons of gold right now which will eventually benefit you down the road uh you know i like to go and i, I end up making anywhere from like 40 to 50 g's a week if I'm actually like caring about it and then I'll go buy a couple of legendaries or something like that. Cause you can buy best in slot with gold, which is great. I like it. Uh, <laughs> it speaks to me. Um, so that's, uh, that's gonna be that. So uh, I'll be keeping you guys up to date as the details, uh, emerge further. Uh, Chris, uh, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up, uh, today's uh, live show? 
no, this was fun. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these. We're going to do these Monday, Wednesday, Friday as um, I don't have any final thoughts on this, but my final announcement to end on um, is that I will be out uh, Friday, the uh, September 23rd through the end of September. Um, and so that is that is going to be my time off. Uh, Brian may be streaming during that with his typical schedule, mm -hmm. uh, but the typical stream hours Monday through Friday will go dark and I will see you guys in October. Yeah, I probably will end up taking uh, over some of those. Uh, I, I don't have any official announcements to make yet, um, but as we both said, as we're relying more on content creation, as we figure it, you know, like at least in my case, as I kind of figure it out, uh, what's my next, uh, what's my next adventure in terms of work? Um, we'll let you guys uh, know in that regards. If you want to continue the show, I put the link to Twitch over in chat. Uh, Chris is going to be continuing on over there. We appreciate any and all lurk support over there as well. It helps us out so much uh, as well. But with that, we're going to wrap up. Thanks so much for listening, watching. If you're part of the MP3 and you feel like this earns it, give it a rating. It's a great way to help the podcast uh, grow over on podcasting platforms pretty much everywhere. Anyway, guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you on Wednesday. But until then, take care.